Welcome in to the fan pregame. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ailish and Justin. A little Wednesday night action. Big show for us. We've got Stan Kasten joining us momentarily. Los Angeles Dodgers president and member of the PWHL advisory board. Jennifer Bottrell is going to swing by in studio. A real live human guest. We always love when we get that. Help tee up tonight's action. Wednesday night hockey, of course, on the network. Leafs on a back-to-back in Anaheim. After a pretty great win last night against the Kings, we're going to wait and see if Dennis Hildeby gets his first NHL start. Puck drop is at 9 o'clock, though, so hold your breath a little bit because we don't know yet, but the anticipation is there. We'll have that on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Justin, and I also on the pregame for that and postgame. Leafs talk as well. Long night ahead. Uh, we heard from Ross Atkins earlier in the day. We'll get into more of that, his comments with the media a little bit after we chat with Stan Kasten. So let's bring him in right now. Stan Kasten of the Los Angeles Dodgers and, of course, the PWHL advisory board. Stan, you're a busy man. I know you're all over <laughs> the, the country, North America, and all uh, all over. But we really appreciate you coming on. How's it going? It's going great. And you say the country, and I appreciate that. You mean two countries. But mm-hmm. actually, our broadcasts have been viewed around the world mm-hmm. and in a way that we weren't expecting but if you, uh, we've gotten the data, we've gotten the stats, and we have so many countries that have uh, that can get the YouTube feed, mm-hmm. and so our games, uh, our numbers have been fantastic. And I think in the next few days you'll see the numbers. Um, it kind of reinforces what we always believed, which was if you provide the best uh, conditions for these world class athletes to show what they can do, uh, the fans will follow, and that's what we are. That's what we're seeing so far. Yeah, the first impressions have been incredible. I got the opportunity to be at the first game in Toronto uh, just two days ago. Obviously, both both nights, sellout barns. You're saying the, the viewership online uh, with the with the YouTube stream is incredible, obviously, on, on uh, television as well. So but what was it like in the building for you last night? Because I believe you were in Ottawa. You got to be in that historical crowd, that OT winner. It was a pretty awesome experience from the television side watching, but you're in there, you're seeing the fans up close and personal, young fans, old fans. The level of play was just as high as it's ever been. Walk us through what you were feeling last night. Well, we're seeing, and I think people were surprised at this, we're seeing incredible speed on the ice mm-hmm. and incredible physicality, real hitting. This was something the players wanted because during training camp, I think they were experimenting with rules and experimenting with different ways to call different plays. But right now, early on, we've had a very physical game, and uh, the players like it. The fans love it. And I'm telling you what, two nights now, the home team has lost <laughs> and gotten a standing ovation mm-hmm. at the end of the game. So it's been, it's been amazing. It's just been amazing. Really a, a, an experience of a lifetime. It really has been. So we know the PWHL was up against the clock just a little bit, getting this up and running for the new year, given that is such a new league and there was a lot that needed to happen before it could get off the ground. So can you speak a little bit to the efforts of the last few weeks and months, what it took to reach this point right now and whether there's a little sigh of relief now that we're underway? Yeah, we, uh, we, it's true. We were, we were rushing to get a lot of things done, but most of the things we're talking about are secondary things, mm-hmm. like logos, like getting the merchandise done on time, like getting food deals done in place. We knew from the start if we focused on the hockey, if we got hockey right, everything else would work, and that is what we've seen. We didn't cut corners uh, on the players or the conditions for the players or the coaching staffs or the uh, training facilities, things like that. We got the hockey right, 
and uh, the fans have responded. How much of that is having the right team assembled? I know you've worked uh, closely with Billie Jean King, of course, Mark Walter. You, you guys helped make this experience what it has been so far. But that team that you are so lucky to work with on many endeavors seems to be the right mix of people that have high aspirations but put together the work and have the experience to make it all come together. Even on a short, you know, six to eight month time frame, you've got a league up and running and the demand is higher than ever. Well, I'm going to tell you, I have a very simple philosophy in building teams or building companies. It's hire good people, let them do their job. You got to give them the resource to get their jobs done. Obviously, all of those things. But we have so many uh, highly motivated, highly energized um, people uh, because they know what we are doing is the ground floor of what is going to be a very tall skyscraper. Uh, that's how everyone here feels. We're all a part of something that we'll never have another chance in our life uh, to do. And, and we're all just enjoying this opportunity. So, so let us in on a few of the secrets uh, uh, of your team and, and the team at the PWHL. I mean, uh, obviously getting the game right was the most important thing front and, and at the front of the line uh, in terms of what needed to happen but we're seeing other things like a marketing push. You're, you're using YouTube to make sure more people can see the game, just the rules and the players having input in the rules. Like what are the keys to success? What are the things that you strategically uh, circled as things that, you know, we're going to be important to make sure the impact is as sizable as it can be. Well, I'll give you a couple, but, but that list is a thousand items. long. <laughs> we, we started with a collective bargaining agreement that responded to the needs of these players and the needs of these players were in all of our best interests. Our interests were aligned. We said, look, we know you all need the following things to be treated like world-class professionals, like elite athletes, and you haven't been. We know we can provide that. That's going to be expensive. That's okay. But here's what we need to make it all work. They heard us. We heard them. And we came through with a collective bargaining agreement that really works and we have built in collaboration. I think we have as good a relationship with this union as I've ever seen in sports, and I'm very proud of that. And they're very helpful because our interests are aligned. We want to build a league. And uh, as one player said to me tonight, you know, in the past I'd see a little girl who had dreams of being a pro hockey player, and I really never had anything to tell her. I couldn't look her in the eye and say, oh, yeah, you can be. She said, now I really can't. And, and stuff like that is really important. Next, we knew we had to get the hockey right, and so we have a fantastic team uh, led by Jaina Hefford, a Hall of Famer uh, who has respect throughout hockey, and she put a team in place, uh, again, to provide the coaching, the GMs, the front offices, the training staffs, uh, help us with finding facilities that gave these players, these elite world-class players, the facilities they deserve to really do their best. We didn't cut corners on broadcasting because we know that's really important. So we're on all three networks in Canada and all of their streaming. We're on all three RSNs in our U.S. markets and YouTube. So every single game, every single game can be accessed for free by anyone who wants to see them. So things like that uh, we think are very important. We're slow on some other things on, on long late items like we're slow on getting merchandise into our markets because, you know, it takes time to design apparel mm-hmm. and to uh, produce apparel and to ship apparel. We'll get there. We'll get there. It'll take time. 
but I'll say this over and over. We got the hockey right, mm-hmm. and I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I will just echo what I've heard from you know my, my former teammates that are playing in the league. They say that this is the most professional experience they've ever been a part of, from the meals to the travel to the staff to the equipment to the way that everything is communicated. So you got the little things right, and the players certainly notice, and they appreciate that. And those are Olympians. Those are NCAA players. Those are players from all over the world that have noticed how different uh, this is. I want to ask you one more about the PWHL while we have you here. So this is only a couple of days in. I know we're on day three here. I want another home opener to come in the next little bit. But what's five years? What's 10 years? Like, what are your goals, your dreams, when you look at where the PWHL can go? Well, I don't know which, which year anything happens, but eventually we're going to be a much bigger league. We're going to have a much bigger footprint uh, in, uh, in North America, for sure, across the continent, I hope. There's also an international element to our game, whether it's whether it's uh, international teams coming here for friendlies or whether it's us having tours uh, elsewhere. I don't know, but I think that's important. I think we need to have a feeder system eventually, mm-hmm. not maybe a, a full minor leagues like baseball has or even like the NHL has, but something, right? Um, and that's for the future. That's for the future. I don't know when we have other things that we need to get done even before those things I mentioned, but I do see ultimately being the, the one professional league that has all of the best women's hockey players in the world playing in it. And uh, I think we're on our way. So Stan, uh, launching a professional league is not the only endeavor you've been involved in recently. <laughs> You're pretty uh, you, busy. <laughs> you were involved in the chase of maybe the biggest uh, sporting uh, star in the world and the biggest contract signed uh, in history, uh, at least of North American uh, sports. Stan, can you tell us about the experience of chasing Shohei Otani, the stakes, the hush-hush nature of it all, how taxing it might have been, and just kind of the exhilaration Uh, of of chasing Shohei Otani, the $700 million man? Well, the the last couple weeks have been nuts because both of these things were happening at the same time. Um, And and you should know, I love Toronto. I've always loved Toronto. Even though, you know, I'm, I'm at five home openers this week. And in four of those cities, I've lost a World Series. How's that for a little bit? <laughs> Including Toronto. And, and I walk into the building the other night, and the very first guy who sees me in the back on the TV truck, he looks at me and says, hey, you're the guy who stole Otani from us. <laughs> and, so uh, I know the feelings there. And I was worried, by the way, when I got off the plane here in Boston today that someone's going to make a Mookie Betts crack. But so far, I haven't heard that. Um, it, it was, look, hire good people, let them do their jobs. I have really good people at the Dodgers. We have really good people at the PWHL. That's why we're going to succeed in both places. Um, no one does anything all by himself. Certainly I can't do that. It was Andrew Friedman and Brandon Gomes and their staffs that, uh, kept the, kept the motor running. It was Mark Walter really weighing in and, and, uh, allowing us to do what we thought would be best for the franchise, for the city, and for the sport. Uh, I, I think Shohei winding up in Los Angeles is the best possible outcome for baseball. Um, whether uh, 29 teams agree with mm-hmm. that, uh, I understand. But for the sport overall, I really do think it's the best fit. And uh, I think all of baseball will benefit because of that. Too curious not to ask the last one, Stan, we promise. People say that Shohei doing this, $700 million, and the backloaded nature of it was bad for baseball. What, what, what is your reaction? To Those people don't understand math, okay? Uh, um, uh, he did something that makes a lot of sense for him. 
uh, and he was paid an awful lot, even on a present value basis. So as long as you're living up to the collective bargaining agreement, uh, there's nothing to worry about. We, we at the moment look like we will have to be payors of the tax that is built into our collective bargaining agreement. I won't even talk about the well over $100 million a year we also pay in revenue sharing. Mm-hmm. So it balances out because we're built for things to balance out. And that's why we have such great competition. And that's why we haven't had a repeat World Series winner in I don't know how many years. So um, baseball is is as good as it's ever been, as stable as it's ever been. And, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Maybe one day the PWHL salaries can be $700 million <laughs> and you can hire me uh, or I can come back from retirement, Stan. You know, yeah, I, the last time we spoke, you were, you were thinking about coming out of retirement. Yeah, uh, then I saw the quality of the girls. I saw the quality of the play, and I said, there's not a chance in hell I'll just continue sitting here in front of my microphone and I'll help uh, share the message. But I'm glad you remember that because... You know, that was, a, yeah. that was a fun time that we discussed this summer, and look at how far it has come. So congratulations yeah. on yeah, really. the PWHL, and of course on Shoei Otani. We'll accept it now, uh, but we'll see you when the Dodgers <laughs> are in town this summer, and, uh, you know, we'll try yeah. to be as polite as we can. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I always have a good time in Toronto, even 1992, which, again, is one of those cities I lost the World Series. So, we yeah. got that on you. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. that's right, exactly. Thanks, All Dan. Right, Appreciate right. it very much. Enjoy Thank this you. week. All right, bye-bye. Stan Gasson, the uh, Dodgers president and PWHL advisory member. Can you imagine that? The two things running simultaneously? That guy must have slept zero hours. The amount of important meetings would be, uh, I think, off the charts. Probably too much. much Yeah, uh, he was at the Ottawa home opener last night for the PWHL. And he mentioned in some of the post-game discussions that it's actually Gary Bettman that recommended that the PWHL be one of the original six teams. As we know, there's six teams, three in Canada, three in the United States. And it was an incredible decision because that game last night, I know I mentioned I went to Toronto and New York on New Year's Day, but last night, Ottawa and Montreal was not only record-breaking, the largest ever professional women's game attendance, over 8,000 people. At one point, I turned on the YouTube, there was 20,000 people streaming Stan mentions all over the world, like this is so accessible and that's what's going to make it a success. So they really, you know, covered all their bases when you asked, like, what kind of things were you thinking about? It's more than just, you know, get the players a, a salary and a CBA. Mm. It's all those little things that the girls are talking about when I get a chance to chat with them about the professionalism, how real everything feels, how attention to detail oriented everyone is that works there. So, I mean, that's the guy that put it together. He's also put together a pretty good Dodgers roster, so... That's good for him. Yeah, pretty good business, uh, Stan Kasson seems to be running. I, I think, like, everyone says physicality. He said physicality. Visibility has been one of the oh, things yeah. that has uh, surprised me. And the fact that it is everywhere. And he said merch is, like, a pain point right now. You're wearing the merch. I the showed merch up with like, three oh, items of merch yesterday. The merch was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, if that's the pain point, then they're definitely off to a really good start. I wanted to mention one thing about last night's game, too, because... These are brand new teams. There's six new teams in, you know, uh, there has been professional women's hockey in these cities. But these are the new original six. So you're going to be creating rivalries. That might take some time. Well, last night was stunning because Marie-Philippe Poulin, obviously Captain Canada, maybe the best women's hockey player to ever play the game, gets a penalty shot. Mm -hmm. And she's in the nation's capital, our country. She's won multiple gold medals for us. She's got the golden goal. She's the GOAT. And she's getting booed from the Ottawa fans as she goes down for a penalty shot. And I thought, this is it. Like, they're... This is what women's hockey is all about. There's already rivalries between 
Montreal and Ottawa, and obviously Montreal does end up winning in OT. As I said, Montreal girl here. Um, it was awesome to see. Like, when else would would Marie Philippe Plan get booed in this country? And last night we saw it in Game One. So you're saying for women's hockey to reach its potential in this country, you have country, to boo Marie Philippe. Marie MPP had to have her approval rating drop just a little bit. Yeah, like that's like mm-hmm. so. Tonight there's another home opener. Uh, Boston is going to be playing Minnesota. It's like imagine if Hillary Knight is going to get booed in Minnesota. Like that's where she lives and trains now. The game is in Boston, but when they do go play in Minnesota, if she's getting booed, it's it's like you've you've kind of got the gist of what this is all about in terms of a new rivalry is a new uh, passion and in the, the physicality has been awesome. Like I've had people message me and be like, did you hit when you, I'm like, no, we never, I never hit one single person. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, it, it's good. I'm, I'm glad that the players were, their input was taken in mm-hmm. for what they wanted the league to be, what they wanted the games to feel like. And I think sometimes it's simple. I mean, I guess bringing in a guy like Stan Caston would help, mm-hmm. but also asking the players that are actually going to be involved, what they want, from the games, I think that's pretty sound strategy, too. Yeah, it's been a roaring success. And uh, you know what? You might have some best bets later in the show. If you want to cash in on the P-Dub my Sharps. women's hockey knowledge, uh, we'll try our best. We're one for one, so yeah, 100%. Okay, uh, we did mention we were going to talk a little bit about Ross Atkins' media availability. This was earlier in the day. It makes sense. We just talked to Stan Kasson about the big fish that the Toronto Blue Jays, unfortunately, did not secure. Uh, but Ross Atkins did speak to the media. And there was a lot to go through. I wonder for you, though, because... Let's start with what was most impactful, most maybe left you wanting more from Ross because they have made two signings. One is a familiar face, one is a new face. Um, but it feels like there's still some holes to fill with this roster. Yeah, I mean, it's, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about the whole time through the Shohei Otani experience and that it was like, okay, you could have maybe the mo- the best player in modern baseball history added to your lineup or else and we are experiencing the or else right now because you know what we got ross atkins talking about and finally acknowledging some of the things in the shohei otani pursuit but he was also asked about plans moving forward and frankly it seems like the plans are far from as ambitious as they were Mm -hmm. and that's kind of not that we predicted that but it's almost impossible to have anything there's nothing that's going to, to be like be. Shohei Otani. And yeah, you could go out and spend the $70 million per year that you would have had to carve out for Shohei Otani if that was indeed the price tag uh, that the Blue Jays were considering. But would that be wise to do that? But right now, it really seems, based on his comments, that it was, yeah, we get this amazing thing or we just make do. Yeah, it's going to feel like a disappointment. There are not even enough collective players, really, that could equal Shohei Otani, right? I mean, there was maybe one, and the Yankees scooped him up. But the idea of of running it back, in a sense, has frustrated a lot of fans because they wanted something new. Is that Cody Bellinger? Is it getting Matt Chapman back? So far, not so much, right? So it, there was the addition of um, the, the minor league batting uh, coach, yeah. Yeah, Matt, Matt Hagg will be joining the team. And that is important because we saw some you know, some strides made with the Buffalo Bisons were like the savior for the Blue Jays for a little bit of that season where they were hitting hitting it out of the park, literally and figuratively. So a couple pieces of information there, but not looking to like actively trade from the major league roster. I still feel like Blue Jays fans are waiting for something big. But on the flip side of it, I do understand like not making a reactive decision, right? You lose Shohei Otani. Is it the best thing to just go get the next big name? I mean, this is going to, we're going to have this conversation when it's opening day and we look at the roster. It does feel incomplete. I think it's okay to feel that way right now. It is still January. But when there's lack of movement, I think people just get a little antsy. 
I, I don't uh, feel really any need to defend Ross Atkins, but it was a near impossible pivot he attempted to make today, which is, yeah, we were actively courting Shohei Otani to now, we're, no, we're just good because we can lean on what we have. We're mm-hmm. a good enough baseball team to compete. We're happy about what we have. I mean, that going from Shohei to that is a real impossible sell. And I do think reckless spending, like you just sort of mentioned, yeah, you could go out and spend that money. I don't know if that's the best thing because you might just be boxing yourself in. But I do think the reality of the situation, and maybe it was just high risk, high reward, and they're feeling the repercussions of chasing Shohei Otani, is that they really, really risk wasting the best pitching Mm -hmm. that I've seen the Blue Jays have in like my conscious lifetime. I mean, we're looking at the uh, roster for this upcoming season that's penciled in right now. And Ross said, yeah, maybe one bat comes in, maybe a DH, maybe an outfield platoon guy. But if we're looking and basing it all on internal improvement, you're looking at a lineup that could feature Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermeyer, Kevin Biggio, Santi Espinal, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and a 34-year-old George Springer. That's two-thirds of your lineup. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone's feeling particularly uh, enthused about any of that. Like, yeah, there are some pieces there, but that's your entire lineup, aside from Bo Bichette and Vladdy and one of the catchers that you're using. I mean, that is not a lineup that can depend exclusively on positive regression because as some things maybe move back and improve towards the median, other things are going to sag from the median. And it just feels like you might open yourself up to other problems that didn't exist last year that are just undeniably going to surface at some point this year. Like that lineup is just probably not good enough. It is a bit of a risk, um, not only for your team, and but for maybe your profession and your your security in this role to say that the team itself can can fill those voids that you have all the talent. And then last year, and quote, was a blip in mm-hmm. the scoring. Like a blip is, it could be, could be the fact it could be a bit of a blip but that's a lot of blips happening all at once like what are you doing this offseason to fix the blip that's going to elevate all of the players that underperformed last year it's risky right and it doesn't seem like for from the outside looking in as believable as adding somebody with a proven track record that might be out there as a as a really professional bat like i know barker loves using a professional at bat like i'd love to see that i'd love to see that addition but today ross atkins said that last year was a blip and they're not missing the people they're missing the support for the people they have gives you the idea that running it back with some sort of off-season tweaks is going to be the way that we view this team moving forward and as i said it's a it's it's risky for the players the opportunity with this amazing pitching staff that we have but also for ross atkins and his role i just don't know how you support or you separate sorry uh the people and the support because the people beat the athletes and the people beat the coaching staff have not changed, with the exception of Matt Hag being mm-hmm. promoted to an associate. And deservingly so, like, but like he's not going to change the whole Blue Jays. He's still <laughs> working under the existing hitting coach mm-hmm. who objectively had a bad year, right? Like yeah. it, there's no real way of getting around that. So if nothing changes from the player's side and nothing changes from the support side, like the, the, where, the disconnect that you have outlined and talked about at least twice now mm-hmm. in front of the media, how is that going to be bridged if nothing actually happened there just like more honest conversations I, I i just again it's depending on a lot of ifs it's depending on a lot of bouncing back yeah i think it, the blue jays will cross the board We're i think the blue jays back. will be motivated and like that's one thing like if you saw the way that that season ended you better hope that those blue jays are motivated for a bounce back that they believe individually like vlad 
that that was a blip and that he believes Ross Atkins when he says it can be fixed and you have to show up and you have to put the work in. But we've heard that many times. We've heard, like, look how ripped Flatty's coming in. Manoa's putting in work, and we get excited about that. And it needs to, it needs to hit this time. It does, because the clock's ticking. If it's the same thing this year as it was last year, there's one more year left, mm-hmm. right, for Bo and Vlad? And then you've got to make serious decisions, and we can talk about turning this entire roster over once again and this window mm-hmm. being completely lost. All right, so we'll probably hear from Ross Atkins the next time the Blue Jays a move. Uh, we will take a break, though. Jennifer Botterill is going to join us in studio to help tee up Wednesday Night Hawk. we got Leafs and Ducks. That's later at 9 p.m. That's all next on the Fan Pregame. All right, back on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. As a reminder, we got Wednesday night hockey tonight, Leafs and Ducks on a back-to-back. Great win last night against the Kings. Still waiting to find out who's starting in that tonight. It's Hildeby, it's Jones. I got my Twitter refreshes on. Don't know yet for sure. Uh, we'll also have the game on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Justin and I will be on the pregame show at 830, and we'll have Leafs talk after the game. And someone that you'll see on your screen very soon is Jennifer Botterill joining us in studio. Appreciate you coming in. How's Great it going? to see you guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. We were just talking off air about how exciting of a week has been in women's hockey. We will get to that. Great. But you got a good a good game on tonight. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's starting in that? I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we're all curious. Yes. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see what mm-hmm. they decide. I mean, I feel like Jones made the saves that he needed to last mm-hmm. night. So there's also the angle to get him a little bit of momentum. But if ever there were an opportunity to see Hildeby, yes. there's there's certainly that temptation. I'm on yeah, are I you? Too. I am too. I want to him tonight. Like, I think I was. That's where I, I was leaning, mm-hmm. I think, before last night's game. But then they're also saying, well, does Jones deserve to get a mm-hmm. little bit of a rhythm? But I, st- I, I might be erring on the side of, of, you, of <laughs> okay. your, your perspective as well. Jones' performance aside, because yes. you can always just, yeah, roll the hot hand. I mean, that makes sense. But this is a decision, a quote-unquote decision, because... Dennis Hildeby wasn't supposed to be here. Yes. But, like, in any other sport, it's next man, next woman mm-hmm. up. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, even mm-hmm. quarterbacking NFL... I mean, the practice squad, you got to get someone, like it has to be someone. So why is there an exception with young goaltenders? Is it that big of a jump where it can affect you and what your next phase of your career might look like if it's too soon? Why is it too soon for goaltenders? Well, I, I do feel like it's a different level and in terms of the game play. And so there is that strate- strategic decision on saying if you want to make sure that he can be good in the future – to make sure that he's ready and the time is right. But mm. if you sort of think of the, the circumstances on a team that's been struggling, that hasn't had the depth in terms of Anaheim, that this might be the chance for him. But it is a real jump. Yes, he's been solid in the AHL, not an, an extensive mm-hmm. resume at, at that league to say, oh, what are you drawing from? But to play at the NHL level is a significant jump. So that's why that's always a discussion topic to make sure it's the right timing for him to play well. One thing that we've been debating and you would know playing at the highest level is it seems sometimes when we watch the Maple Leafs that they might be playing differently in front of their goaltenders. I don't know if it's subconsciously or not, but are you maybe thinking, okay, Samsonov's been shaky. We got to play tighter. We got to be different defensively. Oh, Martin Jones is steady in that. Joseph Wall, we have confidence in. Do you think that players play, even if it's not consciously, a little bit different in front of goaltenders if they don't have the confidence level? Possibly, mm-hmm. but that is one thing that the Leafs 
need to fix because Big they time. need to be. I mean, that's one thing I think I've said pretty consistently is we, we could talk about the goaltenders mm-hmm. uh, at, at length, right? But there should be a consistent in terms of how you're playing in front of your goaltenders. And, you know, even the game, the last Samsonov game, it was 6-5. You know, I said there could be a case for, for six or five of the six goals mm-hmm. that were allowed that they should be better defensively. And so even if you look at the game against L.A., if you look at the Leafs, the little details, even if it's simple as head checks in the defensive zone, early it was better in the first period. If you're establishing how you want to play in front of your goaltender. Um, and so that's just one piece that with Keefe and his decision on camp a couple games ago, mm-hmm. it was just to me a sign that perhaps they're trying to implement more accountability mm-hmm. on that defensive side of things. And as a team, if there's one thing in terms of a structure and how you want to change, to me, that's one big one that for them collectively, whether it's on the back check, whether it's just making sure you're doing your shoulder check so you know that awareness piece. And that way, whether it's Jones, whether it's Hildeby, when Wool gets back, I mean, whoever it is, that defensive game just needs to have more accountability and consistency for Toronto. And especially, sorry, Justin, mm. about playing teams that are lower than you in the standings and playing teams that are like the LA Kings who had a, the best winning or a best points percentages yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like the Leafs, find, I find that they change their level a lot, right? It's like you should be showing up to play the Columbus Blue Jackets just as hard as you would play the LA Kings, but they seem to have that inconsistency. And I wonder if that's, all just like all encompassing of those little details, those little attention to being hard on pucks all the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, they don't have a good record against the, the weakest teams <laughs> in the league right now. And so that's, that's part of it mm-hmm. to say, what's your approach in terms of your style of game that you're going to play. And, and LA is a very good team and they probably have three of the best centermen in terms of depth uh, on, on lineups. So for them to come out and play so well against them, uh, is an indication of how good they can be. Um, but as they look towards their goals and their ambition for the postseason, it's still finding that way, both consistency, as we talked about on the defensive side, um, but the completeness to your games. Um, and I think as players, it's just making sure that that's on you to make sure that you're prepared mm-hmm. at any opponent that you face uh, to play really well, to play strong and the thing that people sometimes describe, too, is to be hard enough to play against regardless of the opponent. So let's say you're on the Maple Leaf staff, Jennifer, and Brad yes. Living entrusts you with the plan for Ilya Samsonov, like how we're going to mm. go about rehabilitating the athlete person, whatever you want to call it. Like, what do you want to see the Leafs do to get Ilya Samsonov just back to a state where mm-hmm. he doesn't even have to compete. He can sit on the bench. He could be the third goaltender, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like, what would you want to see from the Leafs? Or what would you do as a member of the Leafs front office if you had to decide what was best for Samsonov? Yeah, and this is something where, I mean, every athlete's going to be different on what they need. If you look at his situation, uh, to me, there, there needs to be a lot of communication with him. And whether it's the, the reset, a little break. Uh, and, and that was something that Kelly Rudy talked about, just saying just – a complete change of pace, you know, give him a little break and then to go down and play some games. Um, and I think that just the communication piece to work with him, whether it's goaltending coaches, getting, you know, skill sessions and, and one-on-one time on the ice, um, a combination of those things of saying rest, recovery, mm-hmm. yes, some, some skill sessions and some time on the ice with the coaching staff, and then the games when you feel ready so that it's a conversation and a plan together. Because he is someone who's, admitted that sometimes it's been tough for him mentally, that he's had challenges in terms of maintaining the confidence that he needs to play at the most elite level. And you know what I felt for him after that last game against Columbus and talking to the media afterwards. And 
And, it, you know, it's, it's a tough situation because we're all human. And I feel like for him, he wants to be there and wants to play well for this team. So to me, it's the combination of those few things. But I think an open conversation with him throughout it so he doesn't lose his confidence yeah. completely for him to understand, this is our plan. We want to see you back as a part of this roster in some capacity. Let's work together to find a plan. And I think it's a combination of those few things. I could never handle being a goalie or like a goal, goalie parent. It's not, I'm, not uh, cut out, I'm not cut out for it. <laughs> no, it's not for me. Uh, one thing that we have been discussing and has been picking up a lot of attention is William Nylander's pending contract. I know yes. Kipper and Bourne yesterday, Nick Kiprios, mentioning that he's hearing um, 11.25, maybe eight years, and then Elliot on the panel last night confirming it's happening sometime soon, possibly. So we'll hold our breath and, and wait. But, you know, number 11, maybe 11 and a half, let's say, in between that area, eight years. I feel like there's there's going to be mixed reviews on it. But getting that player for that amount of time, that should be something, maybe a celebration Leafs fans should feel moving forward here. How are you viewing William Nylander's contract situation potentially coming to a close, you know, with these parameters of maybe by the All-Star break? <laughs> well, the thing with Nylander is, is to me, he's been able to play really well in, in pretty big situations. When it comes to playoff games, he's had point production and... Yes, there are still going to be a couple of moments where maybe you'd like to see a little more speed on a back check in certain moments, but I still feel like he's in the company of the most elite in the league with point production this season. But then I just I think there's a lot to be said for the games where he has played well. And if you're a team that wants to do well in the playoffs, he's been able to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's certainly been on a mission this season and played really well. Um and, and I think there's that composure in those big moments that could help this team with, with what they want to accomplish. So the Maple Leafs, as always, toughness is a common theme, right? Are, is this team tough enough? And I think at least last night we saw a team that did answer the bell. And I think mm-hmm. recently we have seen a team that's answered the bell. But in recent playoffs, it's been a problem. You see this Florida team that just continues to be a thorn in everyone's side, at least it seems. So we can continue talking about it. But... It seems like some of Brad Living's moves, like Brian Reeves is the big one, mm-hmm. but some of the smaller ones have kind of worked out in their favor. Like Simone Benoit is kind of, love him. He, he's right. the enforcer all, all of a sudden on this team. But this team, I don't know if you give credit to Reeves. I don't know if you give credit to Simone Benoit or to Brad Living, but it does feel like there's a little bit more togetherness. It does feel like they're sticking up for each other a little bit more. Do you think they are, A, and do you think that's important, B? I do think it's important, and, you know, Watching the game um, last night against L.A., I think they played together in a lot of different ways, even systematically. If you looked at defensive zone coverage uh, in terms of making sure you've got your coverage in the zone, moving out together, there were a lot of moments where, oh, it does look like they're playing together. And there were moments in that game as well. If it was a hit or or a situation where you jump in, people were there. You don't always have to drop the gloves, but I just feel like being there, whether it's a push, whether it's a shove, whether it's showing up next to your teammate, and I feel like we saw that. In, in the L.A. game. And so I think this is a team, back to the comment I made about being tough to play mm-hmm. against. I mean, this team, they are very exciting to watch. <laughs> There's no question in terms of that offense. I'm a player that appreciates the mm-hmm. offensive side of the game. But if you combine better defensive responsibility along with the team toughness or being there for each other, I think those are things for them to continue to build upon right, as you approach the playoff season. Tough to play against was uh, Tyler Bertuzzi last night. He was so good. He was so great. So good. Um, he had those two moments with uh, beautiful setups. He had also had that moment without a glove on it. Yes. Uh, and, like, you know what? If anyone's going to make a play like that, it's Tyler Bertuzzi. Also, yeah. they zoomed in on his stick, 
with that tiny piece. Of, did you see that? Like, he, he has a tiny piece of tape on his knob. I don't know. People have the weirdest style, yes. but he certainly does. Um, yes. And last night was, uh, was a lot of Tyler Bertuzzi discussion because he had a bit of a slow burn, right? At the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, it was taking him some time to get acclimated. You know, he's in a contract year as well, trying to play for something. But I've just felt like he's found his footing. He knows mm-hmm. his role. He's, he's, like, kind of hilarious in a sense, the way he plays. But I, I'm starting to really love it and appreciate it. And I think he's the type of player, when the Leafs do get to the postseason, that's going to pop. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And you think about he was he was noticeable. Even if I talk about the first period of that of that game, he was one of the players that you noticed making smart plays mm-hmm. um, at both ends of the ice. And that's what you want. You want to have guys that are complete players. And there is there is an edge. There's a toughness <laughs> to him. But numerous times in the game against L.A., he set up Nylander. Like if it's mm-hmm. a play in his own zone, Nylander goes on a rush. He makes nice plays in the offensive zone. And I think as a fan, if you're wanting this team to be tougher to play against, to be, you know, a harder, stronger team. Um, and he has been an interesting story because there was some concern early in the season. But when you come in, you're playing on a, in a new system with new line mates. And sometimes it's not just immediate mm-hmm. in terms of the chemistry, in terms of the fit, in terms of knowing how you're going to contribute. Um, and I think for him, it's just been this rise. And, and absolutely, when I watched, I, th- I thought he was one of the best players of the game um, last night. And I think that's, very encouraging, right? If you think about this this team, their top six, and, and he's a big part of that right now. It's funny how the guy who was on Sweden Vogue, right? William Nylander was yes. on Sweden's Vogue, and the guy who's like so Sudbury it hurts make form this, but, Northern form this partnership yeah. that just works. Uh, but they balance each other out. That's what's happening <laughs> yes. with the Leafs right now. A last one on the Leafs, yes. uh, at least for me. Has the discussion for you changed, Jennifer, in terms of what the Leafs need? Like I mentioned, Simone Benoit, I think he stepped up in a way Legacy. that you can trust him, mm-hmm. I, I think, on a playoff roster. At least I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've they've moved a couple pieces around. I mean, Bobby McMahon has looked really good on that fourth line. Mm-hmm. What they need, has that discussion changed? It was always a defenseman, right? And it may still be a defenseman, but is there something else for you now uh, that the Leafs need or maybe has taken some precedence? What do they need? I think it's still part of the conversation. Yes, I do think there has been some solid play on the D. But I'm also going to say maybe that two or their three D pairs right now have been more consistent. And so I still think if you're thinking about playoff hockey, you need to have depth mm-hmm. um, at the defensive side of things with your pairs. So I don't think you can eliminate that conversation yet. Even if other guys have stepped up, I agree. Uh, I think that still needs to be a part of it. And, and yes, the goaltending uh, conversation continues. So I, I think those are two things that are still, still very relevant. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see. Dennis Hilda be tonight, and we'll know about the goaltending situation. We'll scratch yes. that off. The list. There you go. It might be Check. the wish list is emptied already. <laughs> um, that's later on tonight, of course, on Sportsnet Toronto and Anaheim, nine p.m. You'll see Jennifer there, of course, and you can hear us on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan uh, pregame at eight thirty, game and then postgame. Leafs talk. Justin and I grinding it out tonight. Uh, but I want to ask you about the PWHL. Of course, it's been a really exciting couple days. It's been a really exciting year. It's it's just like it's. Really, it's great that we're getting this moment. Um, it's going to be a big, broad question, but the first two days of watching, experiencing, having family, knowing what this moment means, like what have you cherished most about the first two days of this inaugural season? Oh, it's, it's been really special, <laughs> and, I, and I think I'm looking at it from so many different lenses, yeah. right? As a former player, um, I think this is what we, we shared this vision and this dream that this could happen one day. And so, and then to also see friends and former teammates, mm-hmm. some that are still playing yeah. to, get, to get to experience this has just been amazing. And then also through the lens of my girls, mm-hmm. you know, my four-year-old, six-year-old and eight-year-old who are, who have watched the first two yeah. games and 
I told you, like, off the air, I said, my oldest, who's eight, you know, she said, oh, mom, can you just freeze the screen when they showed the lineups? Because she wanted to study the lineups to make sure that she knew everyone's name. And, you know, and then seeing, they saw Gina Kingsbury, the manager for Toronto at the rink this morning. And Gina asked them, well, does anyone want to get drafted by Toronto? You know, it's my four-year-old who screamed with her hands up. Yes, I want to get drafted by Toronto. And and not that they have to play hockey, but Mm -hmm. right now they're involved. And for them to see that is just... It's been great. And the players have been so gracious with all their interviews. And I think for them, that this is what they wanted. They wanted to be patient, right, to do it the right way. And so to see the great crowds and I think an amazing product that we've seen on the ice um, has been really great yeah. to see. Visibility has been the one thing that's really stood out for me in like a bunch of different ways. You mentioned your daughter seeing Gina Kingsbury. I, I play in a beer league and there are pwhl banners and the dressing room like things are just like they're just like little touches right that have made it a little bit more accessible all the games on youtube it seems like it's Mm -hmm. all around and i guess that's kind of a symptomatic of the first week and an introduction and a rollout and all that stuff but the visibility is an important thing and it's something that surprised me so when you look at the last couple days what surprised you about the pwhl's introduction (sighs) that surprised me I don't know. I just, I think the response has been really good. Not the physicality. I was going to say, that was Those one girls thing. girls were like laying each other out. We never played like that. You might have. I, they shy away from that. No, I think <laughs> they let them play. And that's what the players wanted. Physicality. I thought there was great skill level. There was great mm. goaltending. Yeah. But I think just how well received it was. Not just in, say, women's hockey, but across the board in the hockey world in various communities. Um, I think that's just been really encouraging. Is that a change from your experience of the fact that the players were consulted in what they wanted the game to look like, feel like, play like? I mean, that seems like a thing that's not um, not omnipresent at all across all sports. Like, there's always mm-hmm. complaints from the players because the league wants it this way. The players would like to see it done a different way. But that seems like maybe a secret weapon here is that the players are kind of designing this game for themselves. Well, I think they're a big part of the discussion, right? And they mm-hmm. had the Players Association mm-hmm. before they formed the league and I think that's why they wanted to make sure that this was a unified process and to make it the right product. So in that sense, I think those conversations will continue. And um, I just think they're embracing it. And, and I just feel like the, the caliber is is really, really strong. And you see the best from the national teams and not just Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Players that played really well from other countries, too, in the first uh, couple matchups. That's what I'm most excited about, too, is like we know the stories of Poulin and Knight and, and, and the big names, but... We're going to finally learn about players that are from other national teams that are just at a college that haven't had an opportunity to wear a national team jersey or another professional team jersey. So there's so many stories to be told. It's so exciting to be able to be a part of telling some of those. Um, and I, I did check here on your hockey DB. You are a free agent. Wondering oh, if you're you- making a return. If you're if you're if you're available to be right. you know signed for a one day right. contract. No, no, don't hold your breath. Okay, I think. Uh, but you know what? So other you think about Anne Sophie Bate. Yes, amazing. Because the overtime winner, mm-hmm. or you know, Daryl Watts looked great yep. for Ottawa. So these players that maybe have been on the cusp of making Team Canada that are certainly making a name for themselves early in this league. I don't know why. Are you coming out of retirement? No, Something God, no, know? no. Stan Kasten asked me 30 minutes ago, and I was like, I can't, no, I can't play anymore. I play beer league enough. It's more fun now, but oh. we get to cover it. Yeah, I, one day to see your kids out there. Though. Well, I get on the ice with my kids a little different. I'm in a tracksuit, right, and gloves <laughs> yeah. and a stick, not the full gear. Yeah. But it's been, That's yeah, so certainly sweet. amazing to follow. That's so sweet. Uh, we will let you go, though, Jennifer, because I know you got a long night ahead. The game is still hours away, so we appreciate you coming on uh, Leafs and Anaheim tonight. 
tonight. So we'll catch you later, Jennifer. And we'll see you at the rink. We'll see you around uh, cheering on our girls in the PWHL. So Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank you thank so you. much, Jennifer. Uh, Leafs and Anaheim, I said 9 p.m. tonight. You got Sportsnet 590, the fan, of course. And we will be on around 8.30 to do a pregame show, Justin and I. And we'll be doing your intermissions. And we'll have the post-game Leafs talk as well. Still no news on our guy, Dennis Hildeby. Uh, let's say you're a betting man. Is he getting the start tonight? We have no information. This is just our guesstimations. Yeah, and I, I, I do think despite everyone saying, well, yeah, Jones deserves another start or Jones can do this. Jones' workload isn't, you know, isn't this. And, mm-hmm. and he should be able to take on. Why would you risk it? Why would you risk it against the Anaheim Ducks team when you're in a lot of trouble? I mean, Dennis Hildeby could be the second coming, but Martin Jones is of utmost importance to the mm-hmm. team right now. And if he, for whatever reason, can't get through t- two starts and is injured, I mean, what do you do now? So just out of precaution, I'd be more worried about the immediate future of Martin Jones mm-hmm. than the long-term future of Dennis Hildeby. I don't think one start is going to ruin a goaltender's trajectory. I'm no. just never going to subscribe to that. I want to see what he has. I'd like to see it out of like curiosity's sake. And I'd like to see it because I'd like to see Martin Jones preserved because Definitely. his health is very important to this team. And he can play on Sunday, or Saturday, sorry, against the San Jose Sharks, his former team. So I think it makes perfect sense to let Jones and, do that. And we're still, like, there's two off days. Like, that would yeah. be fine, I suppose. Like, Jones could uh, get to the point where he's ready for Sunday, or Saturday, rather, after playing this start. But, again, we've talked about it. These back-to-backs are coming. The games are coming fast and furious. You've got to see if it's actually a Band-Aid solution that mm. can hold up. So I, I think tonight against the Anaheim Ducks team that a Maple Leafs team should be able to deal with, although that's been a, a bigger task uh, than it, it's needed to be. Uh, I just think there's no excuse not to try it out tonight. Like, I, I would like to see Dennis Hildeby not because of anything to do with Martin Jones, but really because I also want to see Dennis Hildeby get an opportunity. This guy's like the tallest goalie ever to walk the earth. Hail the beast. Hail the beast. He's given us a lot of hope in his AHL starts and his numbers and just... Live a little, guys. Let's see Dennis Hildeby. Hildeby. I should have got a hashtag Hildeby shirt for today. We will find out. We will wait patiently, and you probably will catch it on our pregame show or Sportsnet's pregame show when it is solidified. Um, we're going to do some best bets, so looking ahead at tonight. Okay. Um, I was trying to get you the numbers on a Hildeby shutout, but considering he is not even in the betting world yet i cannot provide that for you no it's a little bit difficult i mean you could probably guess what it would be right like plus, plus 1200 plus oh, 1400 plus 1500 NHL start it's plus 2000 i suppose but it seems like almost algorithmic at, at a certain point where it's just True. like okay whatever you know the, the the exact zero goals for anaheim <laughs> would be somewhere around that range so it is anaheim too, we, right. we could get that aggressive if we so choose uh i'm i'm looking to fade the new look toronto raptors who we haven't talked too much about mm-hmm. uh but the memphis grizzlies are hosting them tonight and they're really short favorites. I mean, it's been a different world for Memphis since, since John ja Morant yeah. got back. I mean, this team was near the top of the Western Conference when mm-hmm. John ja Morant was doing things before John ja Morant was doing other things. But John ja Morant's back, and this is still a really good team. And I still think there's going to be maybe a little bit of a learning curve for the Raptors with their new players. And generally, you get that like immediate bump, and then it lags behind just a little bit when you're introducing new players or new coaches or new schemes. So I think the Grizzlies should be a larger favorite. So I'm going to take the Grizzlies tonight. And just for a long-term play, we talked to Jeff Merrick yesterday and he was talking about how Mm. the U.S. has so many 19-year-olds that they left brilliant 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds behind 
that they're the deepest team at the World Junior Championship. Only two days left, so you don't have to tie up your money for too long. But I bet some USA to win the World Juniors minus one. Okay. Oh. Martin Jones getting the start. Really? Just okay, saw we got the, the news in. The official Breaking tweet. News. Look at this. Six fifty-three. We've made it into the show. Sheldon Keefe says Martin Jones will get the start again tonight in goal. All right. Okay, so what does that Case tell closed. us? What does that tell us though? Quickly. Let's, uh, let's... It tells us for me. They really like what they're seeing from Martin Jones. They're rewarding him for a great performance last night. They're not worried about a back-to-back sports psych, phys- physiology, psychology, either of those. Yeah. Any of the phys and psychs, nothing. They don't care too much about it. They've done a back-to-back before when Samsonov was playing and remember Petrozelli, mm-hmm. they didn't play him. I'm not surprised, but I'm disappointed. To me, it says <laughs> uh, we're going to see Ilya Samsonov again soon. No, it doesn't mean that. It does because you can't play Martin Jones forever. He can't he can't soak up every start in January. It's just not possible, despite going back to back here, which means the non trust in Hildeby. I don't think it's to, I don't think it's non trust in Hildeby. Why? Well, there's no other place to play. I see it as a this win for Martin Jones. Well, it is. It can be both. I think we're seeing Samsonov again soon. Wow! How because soon? you're not playing Hildeby now. When are you going to play? So you think Jones tonight? Jones last night? Jones Saturday? Leafs have a Tuesday and a Thursday next week. Uh, it could be Jones for a while, but I, I think the next back-to-back, we might see the return of Eli Sampson. Oh, right. You heard it here first. Justin's bold bets. Quickly, your PWHL parlay. Oh, sorry. Yes, my bet for tonight. Um, it will be Boston versus Minnesota in a PWHL. I'm taking Boston to win and the under because these goaltenders are so good that nobody's scoring any goals, but Boston is probably one of the best. Well, there's only six teams, but maybe 1A, 1B, best team in the league. Parlay those bad boys up. Watch Plus the PWHL. Let's go 2-0 in the P-Dub. All right, we'll be back in like one hour on Sportsnet 590 The Fan for the Leafs pregame show. See ya.